everyone. Welcome back to the CTYA podcast. We are so glad that you joined us here today. Sit back, relax, get out your favorite pencil, your favorite notebook. May you be blessed in the Lord. your life you can declare that my God reigns that no matter what I face in this life my God reigns no matter what I'm feeling my God reigns he's on the throne he is in control why don't you lift your voices and why don't you tell him that in your own words God you are in control and I put you on the throne of my life God and I recognize your power I recognize your might God but I give you free reign be my God Lord reign over me be my God and protect me. Be my God and encourage me. We love you, Lord, and we thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that you're not just mighty. You're not just a mighty God. He's not distant from us. Um, this morning, uh, those of you who know me, you know that I, I was raised in Oklahoma. My family lives in Oklahoma. And this morning, I'm an adult, I'm a grown person, but I thought, man, I miss my mom, and I thought, man, I miss her, like, I, I was thinking about something, and I was like, I want to, I want to call her, I want to talk to her, I wish I, I just kind of want to know what she would say about it, and I just, I miss, I miss her, like, uh, but she's at work, and so I can't call her, um, and so I was going about my morning, and I got down to pray, and I felt the Lord speak to me and say, that's the kind of longing, that's the kind of longing you should have for me, to talk to me, not that I'm a distant God, not that I'm a God that's far away from you, but I'm a God that is your father, that you can say, man, I just, I just want to talk to him, well, I just want to talk to God today, I just want to talk to him, I just want to talk to him about something that's going on, and I want to know what he would want to say, and I, and I would like to hear his voice, and I would like to have his input, and I'd like to have his comfort. That's the kind of God that you serve. You don't serve a king that's far away from you and that doesn't care about you. You serve a father. He is king, but he cares about you. He cares about you. And that ties in to what I'd like to speak to you about today. Uh, if you want to turn with me to Psalms chapter 46. Thank you to the worship team. Um, that was a beautiful tribute to the Lord. And um, I appreciate your heart behind that. Thank you to the Hussies for extending this invitation to me. Um, it's very kind of you to think of me. Um, and for all that you do for Calvary Young Adults. Um, it's very appreciated. And to the entire team, the leadership team, all that you pour into, I'm incredibly grateful. As a young adult, as J.C. Sellers, I would like to say thank you. Um, it's not unnoticed, and it's, uh, it's encouraged me and helped me. So we're going to read just the first verse of chapter 46. If you want to read it with me. Let's read it out loud. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. 
why don't you um, close your Bibles for a moment and pray with me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, O oh God, for your reassurance. Thank you for your promises and your word. Thank you, O oh Lord, that you care for us, that you are our refuge, that you are our strength. You're not far from us, but you are near. You are near, and I pray, O oh God, that you would help us and remind us tonight, remind us tonight of who you are and how you want to be in our lives. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for all that you do and all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Tonight in our lesson, I'd like to speak to you um, about a king named Hezekiah. So Hezekiah, as a newly appointed king, oh, do I need to switch? Would that be helpful? Okay, no worries. This might be better. Hello? <laughs> Turn it on. <gasps> Silly me. Oh, is that better? Okay. All right. Um, anyway, so I'd like to speak to you about Hezekiah. Hezekiah, as a newly appointed king, um, <laughs> he had a lot to fix. Hezekiah, when he became king, um, was following in the reign of his father. And his father, Ahaz, had forsaken the Lord. And he had left in his wake a mess, a true mess, right? So he had forsaken the Lord. He had worshipped the gods of surrounding nations. And he had even gotten to this point where he was offering children as burnt sacrifices. And Hezekiah, even before, had to sit back and watch as his father forsook the Lord of the nation, right? Ahaz had gathered together, the Bible says he gathered together the vessels of the house of God, and he cut in pieces the vessels of the house of God. He went into the house, he cut all these pieces to get apart, and then he shut up the doors of the house of the Lord, and he made altars in, in every corner of Jerusalem, and he made these high places to burn incense to other gods. So he had gone in, and he was this ruler that, that completely forsook God, but then forbade anybody else from following him either. And said, you know what, we're going to change, we're going to do these other things, and we're going to worship these false gods of the nations surrounding us, right? And God eventually rejected Ahaz, and he handed him over to his enemies. You see, Ahaz then made the fatal error of appealing to his neighbors when he needed help. And, and as I was studying this and reading this, I just thought, man, what a, a terrible place to be in as Ahaz to say, like, I forsook the Lord, and then the Lord forsook me. To say, I forsook him, and, and then in my time of help, Ahaz is scrambling. What am I going to do? How am I going to, our nation is going to fall unless I turn to the Assyrians and I say, hey, I need your help. I need your help right now. Come, come, to, come to our aid. And they did come. They did come and they delivered Ahaz and Judah from the kings of Ammon and but the price of this was great. So instead the Assyrians are like, okay, then you're going to serve us. And not only are you going to, I'm so loud, <laughs> sorry. Not only are you going to serve us, but you're going to worship our gods. So as a vassal of the Assyrians, Ahaz had to pay this yearly tribute, and he had to formally recognize the Assyrian gods. So in the height of his idolatry, Ahaz dies, and Hezekiah came to the throne. And when Hezekiah was appointed king, he decided to reject all that his father had promoted. And the Bible said he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. 
And what a beautiful image of him breaking this generational curse to say, you know what, I saw the evil that my father was doing. I saw how he wrecked our nation and how, and how he forsook our God. And, and I saw all that, and I'm going to fix it, and I'm going to do what's right. And so he had to get to work. So he got to work, and he reopened the temple, and he gathered the priests and the Levites, and, and he said, okay, we're going to consecrate ourselves to service for the temple. This is how we're going to do it, and we're going we're gonna to do it the, the way that the law has, has told us to. We're going to purify ourselves and purify the temple. And then he starts to restore the sacrifices. And not only does he start to restore right worship, but he also goes throughout the nation and starts destroying the, the idols and removing the altars from Jerusalem to these false gods. He said, all of this that we've been participating in, I'm going to tear it down. All of this that has been wrong, I know what is right. I know what our fathers before, I know the God they served, and we will serve him for he is Yahweh. Right, And so the Bible says, And thus did Hezekiah throughout all Judah, and wrought that which was good and right and truth before the Lord his God. And in every work that he began in the service of the house of God, and in the law, and in the commandments, to seek his God, he did with all his heart and prospered. What a great story. And it seems right that God would continually bless Hezekiah for his devotion. He, he did it. He forsook that, that evil way of his father, and he said, I'm going to do what's right. And then I know what's right, and now I am king, and now I, I am equipped, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to serve the Lord. And everything he did, he served the Lord, and he served God, and he served the kingdom of God, and it said that he prospered because of it. He prospered, and, and things that he would put his hand to, he would prosper, and he, and he was doing so right. And it seems right that God would continually bless him for his devotion. It, it seems fair that, that his reign would be one of peace and prosperity, and, and he did it. And for many years it was so, but we read that in the 14th year of Hezekiah's reign, a terrible report came to him that the mighty Assyrians had invaded and that they were on their way to Jerusalem. They were ready to destroy Jerusalem. You see, it would have been a great story if I could just tie it up with a bow and be like, and everything was good forever. And like Hezekiah did what was right, and nobody tried to stop him. And that, but that's not how the story goes. It seems fair that it would be like God would just bless him and that everything would go right because he did this really hard task of changing an entire nation around and saying, we're not doing what's wrong anymore. We're going to do what's right. He took a whole nation in that mindset and said, we are going to follow the law of God. It, it just seems fair, right, that, that God would honor him and that he would just prosper in that. And how many times in our own life have we said that, God, why is this happening to me? I've been faithful to you. God, why, why, is, why am I struggling like this? What is happening in my family? What is, why do I feel lost and confused? Why am, I, why am I facing this? Why are these people coming against me? Why does it feel like people are against me right now? Because I've been I'm trying to do what's right here. And you know what? Perhaps you're in this room and, and you're in the same place as Hezekiah, and you're like, I'm trying to do what my family didn't do. What my family didn't do, I'm trying to do. I'm trying to live right. I'm trying to be a man of God. I'm trying to be a woman of God. And no one was here to teach me how. And so how come I'm struggling? Don't you see my heart, God? Don't you see my, my intentions are right, God? And maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm the only, the only one here who's ever felt that way. But I think from, from your faces, you've felt that way before too. 
to say there have been times when I've thought, God, why? Why is this hard for me right now? Aren't you there? Aren't you there for me? I'm serving you, aren't you, aren't you there? You see, it's a place where we move beyond just faith in God and into trusting God. And it's a, a pretty popular saying, but if you can't see God moving, you can still trust his intentions. Right? Even if you can't see his hand working in your life, you can still trust who he is and who God is. And unfortunately, our story doesn't end in just prosperity and peace. But when Hezekiah became king, and he started to, to turn the nation around, right? he rejected the Assyrian gods, and thus he rejected kind of his uh, vassalage to the Assyrians. He said, I'm not going to owe, I don't owe you anything. We're not going to serve your gods. I'm not going to pay this yearly tribute. And it says that he rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. He said, I, I don't agree with you. I don't align. I'm not serving you. I'm going to do what is right. And so the Assyrian king Sennacherib tolerated no rebellion, and instead he says, we're going to move in to Judah, and I'm going to show Hezekiah. I'm going to show him that I am king. He does serve me, right? And so the Assyrian king attacked and captured all the fortified cities of Judah, and then he turns his sights on Jerusalem. Hezekiah is in Jerusalem, and, and, and if you think about this for a moment, this mighty nation is moving against them. Hezekiah is just trying to, to keep his people alive. It wasn't just at his people. It's not just like a, a nation. This is his family. Right? These, are, these are his people. He's trying to lead them, and he's trying to do what's right, and, and he's been the king, and, and now he's got this enemy coming straight for them. What is going to happen? And so he first, he tells, he tells the king, he said, I'm going to pay you whatever you want. I'll pay you. Just please withdraw. I'll, I'll pay you. And so the king takes the money and nevertheless does not withdraw. So he says, you can, you can bribe me. I'll, I'll take your bargain. But he doesn't hold up to it, right? So the Bible tells us that Hezekiah trusted in the Lord God of Israel. So that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor any that were before him. Hezekiah surpassed all others in trusting the Lord. All other kings. That includes King David. <laughs> we revere King David. And the Bible says that there was no king like Hezekiah. And, and I can try to imagine and... Not well, but I can try to imagine where Hezekiah was in this moment. His deep trust in God didn't mean, however, that he thought God would do all the work. He had this trust in God. And he had faith, but beyond faith that God was able, he trusted God enough that when it seemed like the enemy was advancing, he didn't panic and he didn't reject God. He didn't say, okay, fine, we're going to just serve the Assyrians. And, and I No, he said, I know what is true. I know what is right. I know the way I should go. And when things aren't working out the way I thought that they would, I still trust you, God. I still trust you, God. I'm still going to do what's right. And so he did what he could while trusting that God would do what he could do when Hezekiah could not do it. He said, I will do what I can do and trust God enough to do what he 
alone can do. So first he tried to pay the Assyrians to leave, and when that failed, he just decided to undermine the Assyrians' ability to wage war with him. And so he cut off the water supply so that the, it wouldn't be easy um, for them to be sustained during a siege. And then he went about fortifying the city. He was so smart, and, and he knew that he would do everything he could do while still trusting God in success, and so he prepared for battle. He prepared for battle, and he repaired the city wall where it had been broken. He built towers on the wall so that, so that people could see their attackers and attack them. And then he, he begins to gather all these weapons, and, and he added a whole entire wall while preparing military fortifications and fortifications and making weapons and shields. And, and so they're prepared for, uh, for battle. They're prepared. They're ready. So what do you do when you, when you see the enemy advancing? What do we do? What, you know what we do is, is even if we feel like we're in the fight of our life, you keep doing what you know is right. You keep fortifying your spirit. You keep praying. You keep going to church. You don't give up just because you're facing an enemy. Right? So the presence of an enemy doesn't dictate your future. That doesn't dictate the victory or, or the failure. And the presence of an enemy doesn't mean that God is absent. So the presence of a struggle doesn't mean that there's not going to be victory. Right? So after strengthening the physical city and walls, Hezekiah began to strengthen the spirit of the people. And he cared about the nation. He cared about those people. And to encourage them, he didn't focus on their abilities. He didn't say, you've got to train harder, you've got to, you've got to, but he said, you know what? I'm not going to focus on your strength, I'm not going to focus on your valor. He didn't focus, focus on everything that they had done. He didn't boost them up by saying, look at how great you are, you built the strongest wall. He didn't focus on what the people might do. He didn't encourage them by urging them to rely on anything in the natural. Instead, he encouraged them by focusing on God and the help that he would give to those who steadfastly looked to him for deliverance. And Hezekiah cries out to the people. He's crying out to these people, facing an enemy, and this is the words that he says. He says, be strong and courageous. Be not afraid or dismayed for the king of Assyria, nor for all the multitude that is with him. For there be more with us than with him. He said, we have more than he has. Look to the Lord. Look to the Lord. Don't lean on yourself. Don't lean on these weapons that we built. We prepared and we're ready for battle, but don't lean on yourself. Look to the Lord. Be strong. Be courageous. Not because of what you can do, but because you know who your God is. Several months ago, probably late February, early March, I was in what I felt was a battle for my soul. I don't say that lightly. I'm not a dramatic person usually. But it was... There was so much going on in my life, and I was at this point where I was seeking counsel, and I was trying to figure out what to do and how to handle life and things that had been thrown at me, and, and, I, was, and I wasn't sure what to do, and, and I, was, I was researching, and I was, I, was, I was studying, and I was asking, and I was, I was praying, and I, I remember the day Brother Guy walked into my office, and he looked at me, and he pointed his finger, and he said, Quit leaning on your education. Quit leaning on what you think you can do. He said, look to the Lord. Look to God, and he will help you. And there comes a point that we can do all that we can do, and it still is not enough. And that is okay. 
That is okay, because when you find yourself in that moment, you can look to God and you can say, I can be strong and I can be courageous because it's not this weak vessel that I have. It's God Almighty that I have on my side, that I have more with me than they have with them because I have God. You see, at first glance, it may sound like, like Hezekiah stressed that they could trust in their numbers and their strength. It sounds like like he's saying there's more in Jerusalem than there is in the Assyrian army. But the more was not about how many there were, but who was with them. Not how many were with them, but who was with them. And so you may feel like you are alone and that there isn't very many people with you or backing you. But you don't need many. You just need one. You need one, and he is all that you need. You see, Hezekiah even added, with him... Speaking of the king of Assyria, he said, With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. Second Chronicles says, And the people rested themselves upon the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. They placed their confidence and help from God that Hezekiah proclaimed, and they rested in him. When Hezekiah assured the people that God would be a refuge for them, that God would fight their battles, he was echoing a theme that we see through, throughout the Old Testament. You see, Moses told the Israelites when they were facing the Red Sea and the Egyptians were bearing down on them and they cried out to the Lord. It says they cried out in terror. He said, fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. The Lord shall fight for you and ye shall hold your peace. He said, fear not. Even in the most terrifying situation, he could say those words. And then another time when the Ammonites and the Moabites came to wage war against King Jehoshaphat, The king cried out to God that that we're too weak to stand against them. He said, we're too weak to stand against this this mighty horde. And the prophet came to the king and he said, Thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. There comes a point that even in your life that we can find strength in these promises too. We believe that God still fights for his people He still is a saving refuge for us. And there comes a point that I can say, you know what? The battle is not mine, it is God's. And I can stand before the Lord and I can say, I've done what I could do, God. Now I need you to take it. I've done all I can do and I'm doing right and now the battle is yours. The battle is yours, God, and I'm not going to claim the victory based on what I could do. But I can claim it because I know who you are. So the battle is yours. I won't take the glory for it, God. Because I know that you alone can win this for me. You see, never does a New Testament writer assert that that was only true for the Old Testament. It's actually the contrary. In Romans 15, Paul says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, and that we through patience and the comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. That it's not just for them, but it's for us too. That I can hope in that. That I can stand in that. He added in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he said, Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. You see, God's promises then last till now, and they last for you too. God's promise to comfort you, to give you peace, to protect you, to strengthen you. Those promises are for you. They were written for you too, and God will help you fight your battles. In our opening verse in Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength. 
a very present help from trouble. You see, rather, he promises to always be with us in trouble. Not that he'd keep us from trouble, but that he would be with us in times of trouble. You see, the trouble is inevitably going to come your way. You know already in your life you can look around and say, yeah, I've faced enough things to know. Trouble comes. Hard times come. Trouble will come your way, even if we live righteously, as Hezekiah did. Even while we're seeking God with all our hearts, trouble still comes. Pain still comes. Hurt still comes. People still still hurt you. Sickness still comes. And Paul writes, fight the good fight of faith. Having faith doesn't mean there will never be a fight. It means that you just keep fighting. You're going to have a fight. You will have struggles. You will have tribulation. That's promised too. It is, but the only way that you lose is if you stop fighting. If you keep fighting, you will win. And so if you're facing an enemy, keep fighting. If you're facing depression, keep fighting. Or isolation, keep fighting. Or loneliness, keep fighting. Perhaps you're, you're facing so much pressure of responsibility and choices and decisions, and you don't know which way to go, and you're seeking the Lord, but you feel a little lost. Keep fighting. Perhaps you're, you're even facing health issues, and you don't know what this is. Why is this happening to me? Why now? Why when, I, why when I'm young? I thought this wasn't supposed to happen. Keep fighting. Keep trusting. Keep believing. Even if you can look around and you can say, I don't know why this is happening to my family. I don't know why, why now? Why is, this, why is everything crumbling? Keep fighting. And, and perhaps you're sitting in here and you're thinking, why do I always struggle? Why is it always a fight for me? You're not losing any battle. Because the battle is not yours. It is the Lord's. It is the Lord's. Psalm 46 also says this, Be still and know that I am God. If you would stand with me. You see, we are to do what we can do to be ready for troubles, for battles that come. Hezekiah did what he could. He didn't give up. He didn't lay down. He didn't wallow and say, God, the enemy is coming. You're just going to have to do it all for me. He said, God, you knew I would be here in this moment. You knew the enemy would come. You knew that I would have to fight this, and so I trust you. If you've placed this in my path, then I trust you that it's there for a reason. I trust you, God, that you've allowed this to happen. But having done his best to prepare He stopped his work. He stopped fortifying the city, and he looked to the Lord, who was in the midst of the holy city. He looked to him for actual victory. And though Hezekiah did have this solid foundation of faith, and he's acting on it, the Assyrian's threat was so cruel and so terrifying and so real that Hezekiah's faith did waver. It did. He had doubt. And I find it so reassuring that the Bible would say he was unlike any other king, and yet he still doubted. Because that's real. And in a moment of doubt, 
in a moment of fear about what is going to happen to my nation, what is going to happen to me. Hezekiah sent some of his officials disguised to the prophet Isaiah. They were dressed in sackcloth, and, and through them, Hezekiah expressed concern. And he expressed, my, and my fear is, is we don't, we're not strong enough. We don't have the military. And they told the prophet this, therefore pray for the remnant that still survives. They said, please pray for the people that are left. Our other cities have been destroyed. They've been taken. What's going to happen to us? God, have you left me? You appointed me king and I did what was right and have you left me in this moment? God, I'm trying. I'm trying to do what's right. Why am I struggling? Why do I not know what's coming? Why am I afraid? And in response, God gave a word to Isaiah for Hezekiah. He spoke through the prophet and he said this, Thus saith the Lord, Be not afraid of the words which thou hast heard, with which the servants of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. Behold, I will send a blast upon him, and he shall hear our rumor, and shall return to his own land, and I will cause him to fall by the sword in his own land. In effect, God was telling Hezekiah this, Be still, and know that I am God. Hezekiah, you need to quiet down. Hezekiah, I, I, cease, cease your worrying, cease your fretting. I've seen how hard you've worked. I've seen what you've done. Remember your faith. You don't have to depend on yourself. I've got this. I've got a plan. He told, he told Hezekiah, I have a plan for your enemy. I haven't forgotten. <laughs> had a plan all along and God was true to his word he said an angel and when the king of Assyria came into the house of God he was killed by those closest to him you see at times those with the most faith will fall into moments of doubt there will be those moments but in those dark moments let the psalmist be for us what Isaiah was for Hezekiah a calming voice to say be still and you know that he is God and he is for you and he is ready to enter the battle to deliver you and in his timing he will step in and he will say I had a plan all along I knew what I was going to do all along and I've got it I've got it under control those are the facts the Lord of armies is with us and that means you and me so you can take God at his word And you can look to him to be your refuge and to be your strength and your very present help in time of trouble. And I don't know what you're facing in here tonight. And I don't know what thoughts or what scenarios have come through your mind as I have spoken. But there is something that you said, man, God, I've been fighting this and I've been battling this. And now it's time for you to return that to the Lord. And say, you know what, God, I trust you. I may not see it. I, I, you know what, I feel like something's against me right now. But I trust you, God. If you would, why don't you close your eyes and raise your voices and lift your hands across this place and tell him that for yourself. God, I trust you, Lord. I will be still, and I will know that you are God. I know that you are God.